there are countless numbers of people who are better at trivia than me. And there are countless number of pe people that are better at whatever the, whatever the making of that game show is than you. But they need to see you as that contestant profile. So if you're bubbly and, and excited, you know, maybe a Wheel of Fortune is for you. But, but you've got to be that contestant that they can put on TV. Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where each episode we share the stories of individuals that are living out their bucket slash life goal lists. I am your host, Roger Williams, and through hearing our guests' adventures, my goal is that you will find encouragement and empowerment to add and cross items off of your list. This time, I'd like to welcome my guest, Phil Barth. And Phil is an author, a risk taker, and uh, after a heart attack kind of began in 2015, began a practice of gratitude daily. And so, Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Roger. Well, no problem. So, Phil, tell us, what did you cross off your list? So, the, the big thing that I crossed off my list about 20 years ago was being a contestant on the game show who wants to be a millionaire. Awesome. That is so much fun. So tell, tell us why did you want to do that? What was the, what was the thing that was driving you to put that on your list and to cross it off? So when I first, I, I was in a hotel room on, on a business trip and I turned on the TV and I remembered that I had read about this game show and I always like watching, watching for entertainment and I, as I was watching, I was like, you know, this is the kind of thing I could do. It, and it was multiple choice instead of where on Jeopardy, you have to know everything. This was a multiple sure. choice test, right? And the, <laughs> the longer I watched, the more I thought, this is something I could do. And then at the end of the show, they put up this message. Would you like to be a contestant? Just call our hotline. And of course, you know, 200,000 people were calling in a night and 10 people were getting a spot, but oh it just kind of built to the point where I was like, I'm going to get a spot on this show. And it was a little while later, I was talking with my grandma at the time and she loved the show. And I said, you know, I want to get a spot on that show. And she passed away long before I could get a spot on the show, but I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it for her. I'm going to do it. And let's be honest, I'm going to do it for the money because if right. it's, millionaire right there, there was a chance for a million dollars so like yeah. that's that's a life-changing amount of money so all of those things came together and it just became this bucket list obsession that i pursued until i got it so you said that you said it was something you could do what made you think that that was something that you could like be successful at or something that you know because I look at it and go, that's not that simple, right? And I'm sure you're going to tell us all about how it's not that simple to get on the show. But, but what was the what was the thing inside you that said I can do this? What was that thing that, that made you think that, that was possible? So I immediately jumped to what would the end look like, and could I be in that studio answering the questions? And I've got this kind of brain for trivia; just weird things mm -hmm. stick to my brain, and, and so I ignored or or looked beyond the fact that. It was, you know, what, 20,000 to one against every night when you called in and just said, if I got there, I could do it. And one night I was watching along and playing along with somebody who was doing the game show and they won $250,000 and they, they 
passed on the $500,000 question. And I knew them all the way up to and including 500,000. And that didn't happen every time. But I was like, holy right. moly, you know, that's a lot of freaking money. <laughs> and and yeah. so it, it just, it was that end state that I knew I could, I could be successful if I got in that hot seat. And, and then I just said, I will figure out the way to get there. All right. So explain that to us. You know, you said that you know, 200,000 people called, they only take 10. What was the process for you like? How did you start it? Did you just make the phone call or how did it work for you? Right. So at first it was a phone call and you were given three questions and it was like, you know, put these three things in order. It might be countries of the world from northernmost to southernmost or events in history or whatever. And, and if you were successful there, then you would be put into a second round, random draw, second round of, let's say, 50 people and, and the top 10 would get on or something like that. I made the second round by random draw once. And then I wasn't uh-huh. successful at, the, at that level. But I just kept watching and looking and, and trying to learn how to do it. And what they did after a while was they stopped doing the phone auditions and they actually went to cities and interviewed. They did auditions at cities. And so as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, now I'm going to get, now, now I've got a shot, <coughs> excuse me, right? I'm, I'm going to be in there mm-hmm. and, and there will be a test and, and then an interview and, and hopefully I can convince them why I'm the perfect contestant. And so I auditioned in Chicago and, and let me tell you about the audition process first. Yeah, please. So you, you walk into the studio, number, number one, you had to get a spot in the audition. So you had to dial speed dial until you got through. And then, okay, you're one of the, I think it was 500 people that were going to, that wow. can come to Chicago and audition. So this was a, a flight and hotel room. It didn't matter. I was like, I don't, I don't care. I'll make it all back up when I get on the show. And, and so sure. I, you, you brought into the studio and everybody gets a number two pencil and a piece of paper with questions on it. And the questions are multiple choice questions. And they're questions that have already played on the show's broadcast. And so since I had watched every single show, I could pass the test, right? I had studied. And and so so after that, they take the people who got a certain score and they took us into the next room and they give you a number two pencil and like an essay test of just off the wall questions that because they want to know what your personality is like. And, and so you right. fill that out. And then after that, they would interview you, a short interview, and decide, is this somebody we would put on the show or not? And and so I did all that in Chicago, and I failed. Right? So I flew home. And, and you, they'll tell you. They tell so you. Where did where in the process did you fail, though? Was it the interview? Was it the, the interview. second quiz? It, what was it? Okay. Right. So I passed the quiz. I, I filled out. And I, I failed in the interview. And I didn't know why. Right. All they tell you is, look, if if we have selected you, you will get a card in the mail. And and so I flew home and I'm like, well, I don't know how many people they're going to take from Chicago because I don't know that I was particularly, I didn't particularly wow them in the interview, but I didn't screw it up. So I don't know. Well, I didn't, I didn't get it. So about one to two months later, they had one in Indianapolis, Indiana, which was within driving distance, drove there, went through the same process, drove home, waited for the card and never got it. So at this point, I said, okay, I need to, I need to learn, right? I'm failing on this. I don't even know why. I need to learn what I'm doing wrong that's keeping me from hitting that, 
hitting that big bucket list item. And what I did was I started looking online. And at the time, there was no Reddit and, and things like that, but there were forums. Sure. And, and, and so yeah. I went out to some forum about who wants to be a millionaire and started reading through how to pass who wants to be a millionaire auditions. And I learned two things. The first thing I learned was just because they give you a number two pencil to fill out the application doesn't mean you need to use it. So I got my next audition in Cleveland, Ohio. And when I sat down after passing the first test, I sat down with the the audition form, application, whatever you want to call it. And I put down a red felt tip marker, a green felt tip marker, a highlighter, uh, I five five or six writing huh. pencils. And the guy who was sitting next to me with his application looked at his pencil and looked over <laughs> and he said, oh, shh. And, and you know, <laughs> totally ruined this guy's day, right? Yeah. And, 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 and so the second thing I learned was it's an it's kind of an essay test, but they're not grading you for how well you wrote the essay. All they want to do is on that essay, they want to see a story that they can envision you sitting across from the host, which was Meredith Vieira at the right. time, telling that story between the questions. It has to be something with some sort of human interest. So what I did was I went back to when I first started watching the show, I had a five-year-old son at the time and they were talking about this contestant in the hot seat, this contestant in the hot seat, next in the hot seat. And my son looked at me, he goes, daddy, how hot do they make that hot seat? <laughs> and, and so I wrote that down in red felt tip marker. I probably circled it with the yellow highlighter and there was all this other stuff on the application, but the producer looked right. at that, saw that he said, tell me about that story. <laughs> and a week later I had a card in the mail that said, you are in the pool. That's so interesting that you, you, Failed multiple times, but kept going. But you learned from each time. Yeah. How is that? How, how did that help you prepare for the show itself? I don't. Yeah, I I kind of had to shift gears once I once I made it. I had to because you know oh I'm going to study to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Well, all you need to do is study every subject in the world and know everything, and you'll be successful, right? <laughs> because they'll question right. you about everything. Right. So. That's for sure. I, I, the mentality was, okay, now I, I've done everything I can to get on the show. Now I'm going to do everything I can to get as many questions as possible correct. So we had um, trivial pursuit cards. And whenever we were going okay. anywhere, my wife would just rapid fire trivial pursuit questions at me as I'm driving. And then in the bathroom, you know, not to get too, too uh, personal, but in each bathroom, we had a video game, you know, a, a, that I could answer questions while using the bathroom. No time went to waste. And, <laughs> there you go. and I had an application on my Palm Pilot at the time that had trivia questions. And, and so it was just constant cramming in as much trivia information between passing the audition and actually being on the show that I could. Because how much now the, now, how much now the, Oh, go ahead. How, how much time passed in between those two things? Uh, between when you got your car yeah. and you were in the studio uh, for the show? Four months or five months. It, wow. I remember, I don't remember when I got the card. I do remember it was the weekend after Thanksgiving in November when okay. we when I got on the show. So, so yeah, it, it was four or five months. Um, and, and, you know, the new obsession was or the new goal was, the bucket list item was, I'm going to win as much money as I can on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And, right. and yeah. so to do that, I need to study. And 
That's all. That's that's absolutely amazing. So, what what was your the reaction from once you got the card that said you were going to be on the show? What was the reaction from family and friends? What, how were they treating you? What was the was everybody asking to be your lifeline or what did it look like? <laughs> so, so the first thing that happened was I was at work and I got a phone call and my wife said, "Your son Kenny, the one that got me on the show, wants to talk to you." And he said, Daddy, you got something in the mail today. And he started reading me the card. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be on the show. And so people <laughs> around me on work because because I had told everybody. I The, the right. one thing I did was when this was my bucket list item, before, before I made it, I was telling everybody because I wanted to make sure that if it got really difficult, the difficulty of having to tell everybody I quit was worse than the difficulty of going on to the next audition. And, and so everybody That's at work was, was like, wow, you did it. And and then yeah. some people wanted to be my lifeline. And uh, I actually had a room full of people at work when I was, as one of my lifelines, just in case I didn't know one person who would know the question. Um, uh-huh. and, and and then I had somebody come up to me. I don't know, it might have been even after the show. He goes, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, I'm going to do this bucket list. Item. He goes, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting because a lot of times I tell folks, don't tell a lot of people about what's on your bucket list because there's so many people that are naysayers and, you know, they, they they want you to succeed, but they really don't want you because they can't do it. So that it's interesting to me that you, you went out there and shared it with everybody as yeah. a form of accountability, it sounds like. And it, it like was. that worked for you. That's great. It, it did. It, I can see both sides of the coin. It, the other thing is it tells you who your friends really are. Right. If That's if they're true. naysayers, it's like oh, you may still be my friend, but you're not the friend I'm going to count on. Right. So, or go to or share or, your, your uh, deepest desires with you. Right. And you're not going to be my lifeline. <laughs> That's, there you go. <laughs> nice. So you, so you get on the show, you're there. Did they coach you? Once you're there in the studio, do they coach you at all? Or do they say, here's here's how this is going to go? I mean, did you practice the storytelling portion of it or was it just yeah so off the cuff all of that all of that happens uh we got there i think two days before the recording they want you in the green room because they they record four shows a a day and they want you in the green room just in case they have a run of contestants who fail and they need to bring somebody else in uh, is basically the story (laughs) but either the after i think it was the afternoon before the day we recorded, they brought us into the studio and you're like in the studio and, it, and and that's when it hit me. I'm in the studio. I'm like, Holy crap, this is actually going to happen. This is real. actually, yes, I am actually real. going to, and, and they have you practice getting in the chair, getting out of the chair, uh, hugging the it, Meredith Vieira isn't there at the time, uh, but uh-huh. they, they <laughs> hugging, hugging stand one of the, the stand in. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I do remember one of the, one of the guys who was practicing, hugged her twice because he liked her. <laughs> but, but, yeah. And then the other thing they do is they sat us down in the front row and they said, uh, Michael Davies, who's the executive producer, the guy who created, who wants to be a millionaire is going to come and talk to you. And I don't know that they still do this, mm-hmm. but, but he comes in there and he goes, I, I want to make something very clear to you. You are playing for real money. You will get in that hot seat and you will forget it. He said, you need to de- have a plan before you get in there. Am I going to be aggressive or conservative? 
because conservative, you use your lifelines early and you walk away with a check for, let's say, eight, sixteen, thirty-two thousand dollars. Aggressive, right. you you take some gambles early with the risk of I'm only going to get a thousand, but I might get to a quarter of a million. And he said, you need to right. you need to stick to that, have that plan, and stick to that plan. So when my wife so and I went back to the hotel, I said, I'm going to be conservative. You know, I. I really? would rather I would rather walk out of here with sixteen thousand than blow it at, blow it go back to one thousand and right uh, you know take that chance. Was there any point when you're sitting in that hot seat that you want to change that? One hundred percent. That is the most <laughs> awesome question. It happened one hundred percent because I made it. I I used one lifeline. I used the audience at four thousand and. I made it all the way to 32,000, got my $32,000 question. And, and then I'm at 64. And I remember this thought going through my head thinking, okay, look, at 64,000, what I can do is I can probably use my phone a friend if I don't know it. And then at 125,000, it'll be a coin toss because I'll, I'll do the 50-50 and it'll be a coin toss. Right. And if I'm right, it's 125. And if I'm wrong, I only go back to 32. And it's like, Mathematically, that is right, but philosophically, that is one hundred percent against what I said. I'm going to be conservative. Yeah, <laughs> right. it never came to that. It never came to that. I my phone a friend didn't know sixty four thousand. I I did the fifty fifty at sixty four thousand, and I guessed because there was no risk. Right, either right. I was going to go to sixty four or or thirty two. I guessed incorrectly and wound up with thirty two. But I I made that one eighty just like he warned me not to do. And I told my wife afterwards, it's like. If I had taken a guess for 125 and dropped back to 32, I would have I, I would have not been able to talk myself down from well the math was in your favor. I'd have been like I just lost 32 grand. Yeah, so, right, exactly. It, so yeah, it absolutely happened that way. And so what was so real quick? Would you do it again? Would you would you take all the effort because you put a lot of effort into this to make this happen? Would you do all that again if you had the chance or, or is this chance kind of like a one, one and done type thing for you? 100%. 100%. The, the chase was fun. It was difficult. But but just getting there and getting into the hot seat and, and having friends that I knew were watching me at home and, and that whole experience was so worth it. Even even if I had crapped out, now, that's easy for me to say when I got thirty two thousand, right? But it was it was right. so worth it. Just because remember the original bucket list goal was to be on the show, and, and so right. sitting yeah, down that in that studio was like, my God, this is this is just so incredible. Yeah, and I love that that mentality of being able to um, morph your item on your list, right? So many times in America, we like if you write something down or put it in an email, people are like, Oh, it's, it's the Bible. It's, you know, you can't change it. And so for you to talk about, okay, I had this and it kind of this on my list and it kind of morphed into that, I think is like so cool because it allows, hopefully people listening will, will hear that and be like, okay, I don't have to have the same list forever. It can change. You know, I, I often, find that sometimes there's things that like I probably should have put on my bus bucket list, but because I'm out there in the world trying to live this kind of lifestyle of, of accepting whatever comes my way, 
things will happen. And I'll be like, oh, I should have put that on my list a long time ago. <laughs> but right. so do I do, do I put it on now or do I just leave it off and know that I've done it or you know, how does that work? And it doesn't really matter, right? I think it's great to hear that you can your your items can change. I think that's awesome. Absolutely. If so, if somebody wanted to do this, you know, if somebody else wanted to try to do this. And, whether it's this game show or some other game show, what would be like the one piece of advice of things you would tell them to do that maybe you haven't already suggested that you learned? What is something that you would tell so, them, hey, if you're going to go out and try to do this, what would it be? So for a game show, you gotta you gotta watch the game show, and if mm-hmm. if you want to be on who want if you want to be on who wants to be a millionaire, you gotta act like a who wants to be a millionaire contestant, and and you gotta have that story, right? There are countless numbers of people who are better at trivia than me. And there are countless number of pe- people that are better at whatever the whatever the making of that game show is than you, but they need to see you as that contestant profile. So if you're bubbly and, and excited, you know maybe a Wheel of Fortune is for you, but but you've got to be that contestant that they can put on TV. And if it's not up your alley, whatever it is, then then you need to find a new bucket list item, a different game show, whatever. Sure. Right. Good. That's awesome piece of advice. So um, in the conversation we've had before this, you were talking about how, uh, I think it was 2005 you had a heart attack? Is that, 15. Is that 2015. Right? 15. Okay. And so that was after this took place, correct? Correct. So what did how did that experience, because I've gone through the same experience in my life, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show. The, the, how did that experience change the way you look at your bucket list or the items on your bucket list like you so it put more importance to it. I mean, we, we always like to think we're going to live forever, but that's, that's never been done. So, you, you know, you, you take a look. And at the time of the heart attack, I was 52 years old. And you start to look, okay, I've only got so much time to get what's on the bucket list done. And, and, there's, and so, you know, I, I've heard it called different things, but I call it the, the bucket list and then the you know, to keep things clean, I call it the chuck it list. Things you're going to chuck into the volcano or whatever. There's, it goes by other nice. terms, right? And, and so you look and you say, okay, these things that I'm doing that are not on the bucket list are also not important. Get them out of the way. I only have so much time. You know, you can always make more money. You can't get more time. Whatever. We don't know how much time we have, but there's only so much time. And so it renewed a focus on these are the things I want to do in life. The second thing it did was it, and I found old, old lists. I mean, I, who wants to be a millionaire was on top of a list of here are the 50 things I want to do in life. And, and you look at them and you go, like you said, you know, this one's not that important. Even though it was on my bucket list, kind of, I'm, that's not who I am as a person. So I'm going to cross that one off. And, and by the way, these things are now important. And so they're on the list and, and you constantly review that. And what was really interesting, and, and this is why I tell people, write down your bucket list, even if you don't look at it every day. There were things on my list from 20 years ago that just I checked them off and didn't even realize. Oh, wow. That's cool. It's like subconsciously, you put that in your head yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah, I wanted to do that. And wow, I did that. Who knew? So uh, the heart attack, though, forced focus. It was like, okay, right. look. I don't know if I've got 30 years or five years, but whatever I've got, I need to focus on these are the experiences I want to have in life. 
And so what, after the heart attack, how did that start playing out regularly in your life? How did that, that being a, some people call it being a bucket lister, how did that start manifesting itself in your, in your world on a regular basis? It sounds like you had a bucket list, but like now there's this added importance to crossing things off. Yeah. So, you know, some of it was travel the world and my son said, dad, I want to, I want to go on a mission trip to help build a medical center in Peru. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And and so 2018, we were 2019, we were in Peru. Uh, another one, my son wanted to camp out in the Florida Keys, which wasn't necessarily on my back bucket list. It, it, generically, it was see the world and do different things. And so we went to a scout camp in Florida, in the Florida Keys and camped out for a week. Uh, so just little things as they came up, it, instead of saying no or saying later, I said, yes. Um, mm. Next next month, we leave for a trip to Europe. It's like, I've always nice. wanted to see Europe. Well, guess what? It's time to go to Europe and see Europe. Um, <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, ask. This, the the uh, British Isles in Ireland. So, oh, okay. Great. Yeah, I'll be in yeah. London in a couple of weeks. So, oh, <laughs> man. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I have some friends there. Yeah, I'm in Italy right now, so I'm I'm excited to. Be oh, that's cool. See, and that's isn't that great? I mean, you're traveling the world, you're doing the things you want to do, and, and you know, I think the saddest thing in the world would be to have this bucket list of items that I never got around to checking off when I checked sure. out. So, will I get so to all of them? I don't you, know, but get to some. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just just thinking about them and getting to some, crossing something off your list, I think is important. So you, you talked about um, with me about this having this pra- practice of gratitude on a daily basis. How has that impacted your bucket list and how you look at your bucket list? So yeah, after the heart attack, the the doctor said you need to manage your stress. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, my diet wasn't terrible, my exercise plan wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Uh, I was moving, mm-hmm. getting you know ten thousand steps, whatever. And and he said focus on your stress. And so every morning. I just, I have a gratitude practice and, and it's easy really because we've got dogs. So, you know, if you wake up, if you're a dog and you wake up, you're happy, they're instant happy and they're on your lap and they're, we love you and you're great. And you're going to feed us dog food, which dog food's awful, but we love it. And so they're grateful for everything. Right. And so they're wired for gratitude and they wire me for gratitude. And I read a study somewhere that said they, they split the group into two groups and one group, they gave three minutes of negative news to start the day. One group, three minutes of positive. And the, the negative group was 27% more likely to have a bad day. So you just start off with sure. positivity, <laughs> gratitude. And, and where that ties to the bucket list is if I'm putting myself down 27% at the start of the day, that means I'm way less likely to think about plan and check off those items on the bucket list. Cause I've already, condemned myself to a crappy day in the first three minutes right so you you start positive and and that just has this snowball effect and you know it's been four or five plus years now i've posted on facebook here's the great things that happened today here's the great things that happened yesterday it's not every day you you have a lousy day now and then but but in general just appreciating what's good in your life I think wires you for positivity and the bucket list is a positive experience. And so pursuing those Should goals, yeah. you, you got to have that positive mindset. I mean, yeah, no one, no one puts like 
pain and suffering on their bucket list. I don't think. <laughs> Let's hope that. Let's hope that. <laughs> I, want, I want to just stay home and be miserable. That's my bucket list. No, you don't do that, right? So you, you nope. wire yourself correctly with gratitude and, and low stress and appreciation for what's good in life. And I think you're on the road to achieving your bucket list items. Phil, this has been an awesome conversation. I so appreciate you coming on the show. Um, could you let our listeners know, is there some place they can connect with you online? Do you have social media accounts? Yeah. Or so what's out there that we can get connected to? Facebook, philbarth.7 on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, the only Phil Barth in Cincinnati, Ohio area. So you'll find <laughs> me there. Uh, those are the two where I'm most frequent. philbarth.com currently it takes you to my speaker website, but it it's we are putting a new website together and by we i mean people who know what they're doing not me developing a website not on my bucket list but philbarth.com will get you there too it was on my bucket list (laughs) there you go i think that's a i think that i need to start having a chocolate list i haven't gotten one of those yet i need to do that phil thank you so much for being here i'll put all that information in the show notes so that people can get in contact with you uh, for speaking or just i know you've written some books and i think that'd be great people go check those out and uh if there's you ever check anything else off your bucket list please please let me know and come back and uh, share with us again this is great appreciate it thank you thank you for having me and enjoy italy As a reminder to our listeners, in this episode's show notes, you will find links to learn more about this week's guests and information on how you can cross this item off of your list. You can follow my adventures of crossing items off my bucket list on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, new episodes of this podcast are available to stream every Friday morning. We will meet you here next week. And until then, keep living out your list. Your list.